So what's all this fuss about women deacons? It came up at a meeting Pope Francis had with women religious superiors. The question had to do with involvement of women in church leadership. And the example that was used was that of women deacons or deaconesses in the early church. The Pope said that he didn't know much about it, but that it's true. The early church had women deacons and that he thought it would be a good idea to have a commission to look at what role these women played in the early church. This is a perfectly proper response to the question, because while we know that there were women who were called deacons in the male form of the title, such as Phoebe, whom St. Paul mentions in his letter to the Romans, there were also women who were referred to as deaconesses, who may have been in a different role. No one knows. Were they the same or not? Were they ordained or not? No one knows. It would be good to explore this further. But... The question is not just about women's involvement in the church. The question, in a way, is also about ordination. Can the church ordain women? If the church can ordain women to the diaconate, then would that open the possibility of women ordained to the priesthood? Or does that mean that deacons are not ordained? But if the real question is about women's involvement in church leadership, then ordaining them or installing them as deacons would not solve the problem. You would still have male priests and bishops who are in the leadership because God knows deacons have no say in leadership. Maybe women deacons is not the answer. The commission we need is to see how women can be made rectors of seminaries and presidents of pontifical councils. We need women to be administrators of parishes can a woman be the vicar or chancellor of a diocese? That would definitely help. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. And I'm Emily Cowan. Hello, Emily. How are you this week? I'm doing very well. Good. It's summer. It's summer. <laughs> I know. It's beautiful. Finally, the weather has been all over the place. Um, I wanted to start the show by making sure, I think I did this a couple weeks ago, but making sure that some sometimes people, uh, people actually write and they have questions about a particular guest or about a topic and because they can't remember what it was. Sure. Well, it's... All our programs are available for free online. And if you miss any part of this program, we archive all our shows at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. So if you have any questions or you missed the part of an interview or if you can't, you know, you can't remember what that guest name was, just go to saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And all the information is there. All the information is there. We have all the information about our guests, all the links, all the topics, descriptions, and sometimes even more resources. So it's all there. So uh, that's, that's our website. Uh, don't forget, saltandlighttv.org. And go to the radio, the radio link. Um, today, Emily, we're going to continue with our usual show format. Of course, you will have some news items for us. Yes. And that's going to be uh, in a little bit. And then afterwards, Jillian Cantor is back. She's going to tell us what she learned from her kids this month. 
Always uh, happy to have Jillian on the program. She always has some sage parenting advice. And then after that, on Connect 5, Sebastian Gomes will be speaking with Jim Wallace. I don't know if you know who he is. He Have you heard of the magazine called The so- I have, Sojourners? I have heard yeah, of it. So it's yeah. like a social justice mm-hmm. Christian kind of magazine. Um, so uh, Sebastian speaks with Jim Wallace, who's the president and founder of uh, Sojourners. Um, and they will talk, of course, about social justice and and Christian life. And then in our second half hour, uh, we're going to be uh, airing part of a conversation I had with Sister Priscilla Solomon that I think you met her. She yeah. She's an Aboriginal. Uh, she's also a Catholic sister. She's a, a Ojibwe and also a sister of uh, the Congregation of the Very Sisters cool. of St. Joseph. So we're going to, of course, talk about indigenous rights and truth and reconciliation, something that's been in the news so lately. So good, yeah. Yes. Um, and also I want to talk to her about being Catholic and being indigenous at the same time that some people are confused about that. And then afterwards, Emily, we're going to be speaking with a, a new singer songwriter. He's new for us here at the mm-hmm. Salt and Light Hour, but it's someone who we know well. We do. Yeah. Yes. Jonathan Wayne Hillsden. It's so weird to call him Jonathan Wayne Hillsden <laughs> because we know him as just Jonathan Hillsden. It makes him sound so cool. Though. Yes, I know. Jonathan. So he just put out his first album. It's called Wings. And it's excellent. It is. It's very good. It's excellent. Yes. It's very good. Very simple, but uh, prayerful and and beautiful. So we're going to be meeting uh, Jonathan at the end of the program. But first, as we always do, let's start with a song. So here's a song from Jonathan Hilsden's new album. Uh, The album is titled Wings. And actually, it's the title track. So the song is also called Wings. So here's Jonathan Hilsden with the title track of his new album, Wings. We were broken And weary of our days We waited in the night For the first light You bring the sunrise That we may see the way gratefully we turn our love to thee beholding the beauty that we have come to see and we're thankful you covered me
have come to see and we're thankful you cover me with your wings you cover me with your wings you That was Jonathan Wayne Hilston with Wings from his new album of the same name. And we're going to be speaking with Jonathan Hilston in our second half hour. And in about 10 minutes, what I learned from my kids with Jillian Cantor. But first, Emily is still here with our news. Now, we know, I don't know if people have clued in that the Pope, to celebrate the Year of Mercy, had been doing these little jubilees. Jubilee for children, for young people, for deacons. Yep. And now, this week, jubilee for priests. priests. Exactly. And this was different. It was a little different, yeah. Uh, So, usually, when there's a jubilee, they... They last for a few days. They're, you know, they get to go through the holy doors in Rome and, yeah. you know, visit a little bit, maybe meet with the Pope. But now, so this week, the priests were there, about like a thousand of them were yes. gathered there uh, in Rome. Uh, but it started with a spiritual retreat with yes. uh, Pope Francis. And um, so on the first day, they had three meditations and each in different basilicas in Rome uh-huh. and all on the theme for mercy. Yes. So there, he was, you know, just telling them that, they need to be to be vessels of God's mercy in their parishes and their in their ministries, um, and so that to really create a culture of encounter within their communities. Right. Um, to have you know, he said things like to have the odor of Christ. We've heard him say to have the odor yes, of, sheep, of sheep, you know. But yeah. now, I think what he means here is to have the odor of Christ is to to be like to be like Christ. Yeah. Um, so so yeah so this and then uh, he had mass with them on right. the feast of uh, the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Yes. So again, mass with the priest. Um, yeah. Big Beautiful. event. Yeah. Now all those reflections, I believe, are on our web they on are. our blog, yes, saltandlighttv.org slash blog. If you want to go, uh, there were three meditations, I believe. Three meditations. Did. So all that text of all that is on our blog, so it's easy to find. Yes. Now something else that's happening in Canada, uh, we've been talking about in this program, and of course, it's the the deadline is is upon us, June sixth. Right. Medically assisted dying is going to be legal in this country. Yes, and so Cardinal Gérald Cyprien-Lacroix, who is the uh, Archbishop of Quebec City, uh-huh. he wrote an open letter and basically challenging Canadians uh, to look at the situation differently and to... Um, it was it was almost really like a, a, very, a very pastoral letter, you know? Yes. He was... Um, you know, telling people to, to look at the people in our lives. We all know people who are sick or who are dying, um, who are suffering, and to, to listen to them, uh, to listen to them, to, to listen to their, their fears and their suffering, um, but to also share with them and remind them of their worth and of, yeah. uh, of the presence of these people in their lives, that, um, that the accompaniment is, is just as important, right? And, Absolutely. Um, so that, that's one of the things he was saying in his letter, um, 
you know, he also mentioned that uh, it's really important for doctors to have the ability to uh, to. Ex- to exercise their conscience, yeah, right, and their course. right to yeah. um, to not recommend yes. uh, medical assistance. Yeah, not refer. Uh, to, yeah. yeah exactly. Um, to to patients. Um, yeah, and that actually yeah. is not part of the the bill that's been proposed. Well, that's just it. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. again, just reminding us that this is this is really important. Absolutely, um, absolutely. And we've done a lot of a lot of coverage on this issue. Again, to direct people to our website, this is going to be the theme of today's show. Come to our website, saltandlighttv.org, <laughs> on our blog, on shows like Catholic Focus, shows like Perspectives. You probably have done stuff in French as well, Emily mm-hmm. and, and Charles. Um, there's tons of stuff on end-of-life issues, on euthanasia, assisted suicide. Uh, there's a great documentary that we made 10 years ago looking at what Canada would look like. Um, if we had assisted uh, medically assisted dying, uh, so we did that ten years ago, and today it's it's, it's upon still, us. Still, still so, accurate. So that documentary yeah. is called "Turning the Tide," but that's all on our website, saltandlighttv.org. Um, so there you go. Uh, lastly, Emily, we have yeah. we have the, we have some new bishops. We do, yeah. Yes. Um, so we got so there's a there was a new episcopal ordination um of bishop scott mckaig yeah for the military ordinariate of canada yeah and uh he so he got appointed to this new position uh last tuesday at mm-hmm. notre dame cathedral basilica in ottawa mm-hmm. um he succeeds to father donald Terriot, who was uh-huh. um so so he succeeds to yeah, father I don't need to allow, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. and um so Bishop Scott McCaig was uh, the general superior of the Companions of the Cross yes. uh, before he got appointed Which to... Which is also a Canadian congregation. Exactly. Yes. It was founded, Companions. actually. So it's a Society of Apostolic Life, and yes. it was founded in 1985 by in Father... In Ottawa, yeah. Yeah, by Father Robert uh, Bedard. Yes, Robert Bedard, who one day will be a saint, don't you think? Well, yeah, Bob I mean... Bedard, I, d- I think so. <laughs> I do... Uh, I actually follow one of his... Um, yeah methods of prayer <laughs> so oh, really yes yeah, oh, so i kind of share that in with some me. way he's a part of part of my life too so yeah, i agree good. with you maybe one day he yeah uh, companions the, i'm sure that there are people out there listening if you're in houston i know there are companions down yep. there i don't know where else in the states companions of the cross great congregation shout out to all the companions congratulations <laughs> to bishop mckaig and um i was going to say you didn't mention it but it's we true. also have another bishop yes tell in, me about in him Kamloops, in Kamloops, bc yes and he's our second vietnamese bishop Yes. Um, by the name of uh, Nguyen, which uh, now we have two Vietnamese bishops named Nguyen. So congratulations to the new Bishop Nguyen in Kamloops, BC. Thank you very much, Emily, um, for, for these news updates. Uh, Emily, uh, our, our Salt and Light Hour news producer, but she's also on our French uh, team here at Salt and Light. And you can watch her and all our Perspectives team doing our, our updates in English, French, Italian, and Chinese. And you can get all these updates at our website, again, saltandlighttv.org, and also on Roku. Hi, this is Sarah Hart, and you are listening to the Salt and Light Hour with the very awesome Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can find me on Facebook. Just look for Deacon Pedro. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Deacon Pedro GM. And now it's time for... What I Learned from My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome back to the program. Thank you very much. How are you? I am very good. Thank you. You, how's uh, little Jane Patricia? She's a month, two months old now? Almost two months, yeah. Two months. She's doing well. She's growing and thriving. And thriving and sleeping big. through the night and you're sleeping through the night. Yeah, not... No. Those things aren't true, but no. the first part is. <laughs> good. The, the, yeah, the, the, 
yes, the, the, you, you got to aim for something. You got to have, <laughs> you know. There are goals, goals. but I'm not going to put too much pressure on a yes, absolutely, baby. Yes. So. so, so for our listeners who maybe missed last time you were on the show, you just had Jane Patricia. So she's yeah. your number five. And I was very scatterbrained, but hopefully this time I've pulled it together a little bit. You've pulled bit. it together, so yeah, you've had... <laughs> but um, I'm not going to promise anything either. Well, did you learn anything from your kids this <laughs> month then? Well, yes, I did. Um, I'm going to say what I've learned from my kids this week is the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. <laughs> oh. So my lessons are always humbling, it seems, but... <clears throat> uh, uh, well, sometimes the apple is a good thing if it doesn't <laughs> fall from the tree. Just a big, big old mirror. Anyway, um, <laughs> so my oldest Joseph is seven, and yeah. he is seven and turning eight very soon. And he likes to uh, be in charge. He likes to have a plan and have things organized. And he he very often comes up with the plan without consulting anyone else. <laughs> so, right. so when his parents, David and myself, reveal yes. the true plan, it can lead to a lot of frustrations for him yeah um and it can be something as simple as we tell the kids at supper okay we're gonna have a movie night tonight and then by the time the popcorn is popped and we're all sitting in the the couch downstairs uh trying to pick the movie as a family and he's already got it in his head which movie we're going to watch right anyone detours from that he gets he's it's very hard for him to readjust his expectations and his plan and what he imagines for how things are going to go so that's played out not just movie nights but Every day there's at least one time when he gets upset because things are not going according to how he yes. would like things to be. And I find myself talking to him about this very often. And it's as I'm saying words, words are coming out of my mouth. You have to be more flexible. You have to talk to other people. We have to understand each other's expectations. And all of these things, as I'm saying them, as they're leaving my mouth, I'm realizing it feels like God is talking to me. Like, these are all of my issues. And yeah. I know very certainly that the reason that it's so especially difficult for myself, because having a, a, a child who's organized and likes to plan things, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's awesome. That's a yes. blessing. But it's also a very frustrating thing to parent because you have to, um, it just requires an extra level of patience that yes. I don't have. I think we've talked about that before. <laughs> Um, just because you know that there's always going to be that 10 extra minutes that you have to spend talking him down, like trying yes. to explain to him and moderate the situation. And so, <clears throat> so it's difficult. It's a beautiful thing, but it's difficult to parent. And it, um, it's a reason I feel, especially for me, that it's difficult to parent is because very often when he has a plan, uh, what I'm telling him is it can't go according to your plan yeah. because it has to go according to my, my plan. plan. So it's just the words that are coming out of my mouth are making me feel foolish in some ways because because maybe it's me that has to be more flexible. It's me that has to do more consulting and more explaining and more adjusting mm-hmm. of my expectations. Because I know how he feels. I know absolutely how he feels when you ha- when things change. And then you ha- it takes me a good while to to reevaluate what's going to happen and then to be okay with it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it is a big mirror, and <clears throat> I think to myself, too, about just in terms of my, um, my life and how it goes and how many times am I making the plans and not letting God to work in my life. And I think I can make big excuses now because just with the birth of Jane and having less time, I'm not taking that time, I'm not making that time to sit down and, and 
and pray really. I've, I've been really failing in that department of having a good, good, not even just a good solid, a good any amount mm-hmm. of prayer in my life. Um, and so who's making the plans now? Well, it's me, because I'm not even taking the time to ask God what's going on or what does he want or what, is, what are his wishes for my life. I'm just going full force ahead. And then when I hit that wall, when things aren't going right, well, I'm almost looking exactly like Joseph when he falls on the floor and gets really mad at me because things aren't going to hit according to his plan and schedule. So it is a big mirror for me, and it it's also a good thing, but it is, again, back to that frustrating thing to have your faults, like, thrown right in your face, and not in a mean way. It's certainly Joseph's not being disrespectful. He's no. just being a little boy and trying to figure things out. Yes, so. yes. No, you're so, right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, and adults sometimes are the same way because when we don't get our way we whine just like as if we were seven years old um, <laughs> but those are good lessons to be flexible and adjust expectations and you know, i mean in the in the work that you and i have done together like world youth day you know that's when you really learn to be flexible <laughs> and, and adjust your expectations because yeah. it's going to change no matter what how much planning we do yes exactly it's going to go its own way um this is this is this is good this is good. Maybe you, you need to just make sure that he take, you take turns so that movie night, this night, Annie gets to pick the film. And then Joseph yeah. doesn't have to have the pressure to, to plan. Yeah, we, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, yes. it's hard to get steps ahead, but that's yes. really the key is to be steps yeah. ahead, a couple steps ahead I of them. Um, and and let be him able to say those things, not just say it's a movie night, but it's a movie night and it's so-and-so's turn to yes. pick. Or, and so we're constantly having to Yeah, no, that's good. That's great. And, and and let him plan the things that he can plan so that mm. he can have those moments. Yeah. But he's I see it, it also um coming out of him in beautiful ways too. Like he likes to get up early in the morning and he has started he's taken over the job of preparing the fruit bowls for everyone's oh, breakfast beautiful. so he gets up and he cuts the fruit and um one time he was talking quite sternly to Henry. Okay, that doesn't happen one time. That happens lots of times yes. during the day. But <laughs> this was when he was younger. I think he might have been four. And he was admonishing Henry for something. And we were telling him, but Joseph, you can't talk to your brother like that. You're, you're his brother, not his daddy. And, yeah. and Joseph got really upset and said, but I need to practice for when I'm a daddy. Oh. So he has a great sense of responsibility already. Yes, <laughs> the pressures of being mm-hmm. the firstborn. Exactly. Yeah, well, all good. So the, it's good to be reminded that the apple doesn't fall too far away from the tree <laughs> and that we need to be flexible and adjust our expectations, not just if we're seven, but also when we're 37. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> very true good okay Jillian thank you so much thank you enjoy the rest of the day with with your little ones thank you very much all right Jillian Cantor is the producer of the Salt and Light TV program Mothering Full of Grace and she's the wife of David and the mother of Joseph Henry Annie Clara and Jane Patricia hello everyone I'm Rosanna Reverso and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro How are you going to spend the next five minutes of your time? How about listening in, meeting a fascinating person, and learning something relevant that will broaden your perspective? Sit down with Sebastian Gomes and go straight to the heart of the matter. Here's Connect 5. Today, Sebastian speaks with the president and founder of Sojourner magazine, Jim Wallace. They speak about social justice and living the Christian life. Jim Wallace, thanks for joining us. You are a best-selling author, a theologian, a public speaker, a social activist, uh, recently White House advisor under President Obama, 
Uh, you're the president and founder of Sojourners, a U.S. publication that has been inspiring people for a very long time to put their faith into action. What is it about Christianity and the person of Jesus and the Gospels and the Bible uh, that demands that social justice be an integral part of it? Also a Little League baseball coach <laughs> my two sons. I did that for 11 years and 22 seasons. Uh, and in that context, I'll give you an example, all of my black uh, players had a parent who would tell them how they should behave and not behave in the presence of a policeman with a gun. Where to keep your hands, where not to reach, to keep yourself safe. None of my white kids had their parents have the talk with them. And most of the white parents weren't even aware the talk was going on. This is life. This is the real world. This is people's lives, the streets. Uh, I've often said the incarnation is just God hitting the streets and Jesus Christ. You know? For those who want to take justice out of Christian faith, as an evangelical, I'll say they're not being biblical. It's just everywhere in the Bible. 2,000 verses on poor people, justice, justice, justice. Amos says, take away from me the noise, <laughs> the noise of your worship, but let justice roll down like waters. Uh, Jesus' first sermon at Nazareth. You know, uh, I've been anointed to bring good news, evangel to the poor. It's just, it's all it's integral, as Francis would say, integral. We are people who want to live by the kingdom of God, a new order that Jesus announced and brought in, which changes everything personally, spiritually, uh, socially, racially, economically, and politically. It turns the world upside down. There's a very famous uh, saying, uh, in the Catholic Church at least, that that the social teachings of the Catholic Church, which is this body of doctrine that's been developed over particularly the last century, but uh, there's some fantastic insights uh, in it. But it's often referred to as the church's best kept secret. Why do you think that is? Why is it well, such a secret? Why does it seem so shocking and jarring and novel when you're describing it to me? It seems so alive and new. As an evangelical, I got converted by Catholic social teaching because I read that, whoa, someone's thought about this, right? It's the best body of teaching in all the churches uh, on, on what the gospel means in the world. The ancient idea of the common good, what it means to govern. For, uh, I think the black churches in the U.S. have been the most holistic, the most faithful to living that out. Uh, and so I looked to the black churches and I looked to the Catholic social teaching. And for me, it just uh, makes perfect sense if you want to look at the world from a gospel point of view. Uh, best kept secret, perhaps because for an affluent church, for a church that's often uh, more white than Christian, more American than Christian, more affluent than Christian, it's threatening. It's clear in the Bible this is about changing the world, and particularly uh, what the Catholic social teaching calls the preferential option for the poor, which Jesus says, as you've done to the least of these, you've done to me. Francis is saying that all the time. That's my conversion text. That was what brought me to Christ. 
Matthew 25. Uh, that's so clear. And yet, when we're conformed to the world, and we, we are more affluent than Christian, more white than Christian, more, uh, more American than Christian, more of whatever cultural context has conformed us, then Catholic social teaching or reading the Bible is going to be threatening. The thing is, though, it's liberating. That was Sebastian Gomes speaking with president and founder of Sojourner magazine, Jim Wallace. You can watch this and more interviews at saltandlighttv.org slash connect5 and also on our Roku channel. Coming up in our second half hour, being Aboriginal and Catholic and a featured chat with Jonathan Wayne Hilsden. So don't go anywhere. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. In 2007, almost 60 years after the United Nations Declaration on Human Rights, the United Nations adopted the Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. The Declaration recognizes Indigenous peoples' basic human rights, as well as rights to self-determination, language, equality, and land, among others. There were four countries that voted against this uh, declaration, Australia, New Zealand, the United States, and Canada. However, a few weeks ago, Canada officially removed its objector status and agreed to begin working to implement the declaration in our country here in Canada. And to find out more about Indigenous rights, truth and reconciliation, and how one can be Indigenous and Catholic at the same time, recently I spoke with Sister Priscilla Solomon. She's an Ojibwe and a member of the Congregation of the Sisters of St. Joseph. Here's an excerpt of that conversation. The whole relationship between the church, I mean, you start off by saying that when you were growing up, when you were little, that you were being taught that, you know, you had to reject all of that. Um, now things have changed. Um, still that relationship between the church and some indigenous peoples, it's still, I mean, that's why we have the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. There's a whole history of residential schools. We don't have time right now to go totally into it, but we know your parents both went through the residential school system, even though you didn't. Um, you are an indigenous person, so obviously there's something in the work that you do with your office that also has to do with indigenous rights and justice one, for one indigenous of the, people. One of the needs of today is the yeah. needs to address yeah. the... Uh, the calls to action from the Truth and Reconciliation yeah. Commission. The whole yeah. question of residential schools and the question of the relationship between Indigenous and non-Indigenous mm -hmm. people has been in the consciousness of Canadians, but also particularly the Church's justice issues for Indigenous people since the 60s. Right. With uh, the Mackenzie Valley Pipeline was yeah. a big issue that they responded to. So. The current issue is the relationship between Indigenous and settler Canadians, yeah. and how do we yeah. reconcile that relationship? Right. And so, it's not—it's not doing something different. I'm responding to that call yeah. to meet the needs yeah, in the way that our office can. And it, would you say that truth and reconciliation is is a response to that need as well, even though it's not your specific response? But I mean that's how we're trying to, we and, and in Australia and other places also trying to respond 
to a great injustice that has been done. Yes. Is the, it a, the it, injustice that has come about through the process of colonization, of colonization around the world? Yeah. And so, yes, we are all called to uh, to explore the truth and to reconcile right. those relationships. Now, the Catholic Church uh, also has responded to the truth and reconciliation findings. Calls to action. Calls to action. Tell me about that. Well. There are a number of calls to action that are specifically directed to the churches. Okay. And it's those calls that um, the Catholic Church has recently responded to mm -hmm. through uh, the CCCB office, through the Justice and Peace Commission right. of the CCCB office, so through the, the leadership bishops. of religious yep. congreg congregations, and through development of peace. Okay. Those are all partners in a response to the call to action that asks the churches to um, articulate how they are going to put the, um, the declaration on the rights of indigenous people as a framework for reconciliation. Okay. So how are we going to take the principles and values of that declaration and express that in our response to our need for reconciliation here. Okay, that makes sense, because I was going to ask you, so how, how does this relate, how does the Truth and Reconciliation Commission kind of bring this into play, but you just answered that. Mm. So, so the one of the calls to action is to implement this, in a yes. sense, yeah. and not just as a as a nation, because the government presumably is also going to try there to There are definitely this. calls to the governments to respond, yeah. both the federal, the provincial, the, the territorial governments. There are calls to churches. Reconciliation, I think, maybe I'm wrong, but implies apology. Are apologies necessary? Yes. Apologies have been made. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There may some, maybe some yet to be made. I can't answer that. But I do know that when a person or persons offend another, it has an impact on their dignity, their sense of self-worth. That is a piece of the individual mm -hmm. harm that was done by the residential schools that dignity is restored when the one who offends has the courage to acknowledge yeah. their offense and yeah. say, I'm sorry. So it. yeah, that apologies are necessary and yeah. apologies have been given yes. and maybe others will be called for, yeah. but they right. are. An apology is very important. Yeah. Acceptance of the apology is also very important. And, yes. But it can't be imposed any more than the apology can be imposed. Right. So it's, it's a kind of a dance. Mm -hmm. There's a responsibility to apologize for the harm has been done. There's a responsibility at some point to accept th that apology. But if the pain has been too deep, then it may be a long time before right. the acceptance comes. Yeah, time. What, what do, I mean, I'm a regular Catholic. I'm in a, in a parish where there are no indigenous peoples that at least that I know of. Maybe they're there and I don't know that they're there. How, how am I called to respond to, to the truth and reconciliation, the calls to action, and even to this, to, to this declaration? I think a number of ways. One of the ways is definitely to um, educate yourself about mm -hmm. 
the Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous mm -hmm. Peoples. Mm -hmm. Read the, the Declaration, read the report of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, mm -hmm. or at least the findings of that commission. There's, right. I mean, mm -hmm. read the two declarations or the two responses that the Catholic uh, that Catholic the Church has made, yeah. the bishops and the, and the heads of development and peace. Uh, they made it in the name of others. Yeah. Could not commit themselves, force the commitment of others, mm -hmm. but they made it with the understanding, I think, with the hope and the expectation that we will read that response. We will find out what we are called to do. We're called to dialogue. Mm -hmm. We're called to change some of the, uh, to change the lack of education about Indigenous issues into yeah. a greater awareness of Indigenous issues. Yes. I'm not educating myself. Right. So we need to develop an openness of spirit that says, there's a reason for this struggle coming back, for this information coming to us again and again and again. Yeah. So educate ourselves, dialogue with others, others about it, search out. There are indigenous people yeah. in this country. There mm. are indigenous, there are First Nations. Mm. At least look for the opportunity to dialogue. Mm. Mm -hmm. Look for someone that you can talk to. Yes. Would you say that that is an adequate response to what we're called to do during this year of mercy? Uh, yes, I, I don't know if I'd use the word adequate. I, I think okay. it is a way in which we can respond to the call in this year mm -hmm. of mercy because the year of mercy calls us to, uh, to turn to God, mm -hmm. to ask for forgiveness for any failures that we've mm -hmm. had. Well, yeah, our churches have failed in some ways. Our, we as Canadians have failed by being part of the process of colonization, being part of the residential schools. So we ask forgiveness of God for those mm -hmm. failures. We trust that God will give us the mercy and we make a choice to move forward together. Mm -hmm. These two documents really give us eight different ways that we can move forward together. Yeah. And so Let's find out about them. Yeah, Look for, sure. for the documents on the CCCB website. Yeah, actually, we're going to put it on our website. Oh, good. Um, we're going to end there. Sister, thank you so much. We could spend all afternoon here talking, but maybe, maybe you'll just have to come back. <laughs> maybe. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Yes. I really enjoyed this. That was an excerpt of a conversation I had with Sister Priscilla Solomon earlier in the month. Sister Solomon is an Ojibwe and a member of the Congregation of the Sisters of St. Joseph. You can watch the full interview at saltandlighttv.org slash perspectives. And that's also where you can find many resources on truth and reconciliation and the rights of indigenous peoples. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Jonathan Wayne Hilsden, with The Vision from his new album, Wings. Woke to see there's something different Heard the sounds of foreign things Felt that I'd been lifted and placed in wonderland Ooh. Went forth to find the people And found beasts who speak my tongue Then I heard the singing, saints and angels one Oh, 
never saw him brighter than the sun beneath. But these new eyes can see him, and he's looking back at me. And I could not stand before him. My knees wouldn't hold me up. But then I saw the masses. He looked on them as well. Holy, 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 you are. Holy, holy. Jonathan Wayne Hilsden with The Vision from his new album, Wings. Jonathan Wayne Hilsden was brought up as a Christian, not Catholic, in Jerusalem, Israel. So it's fair to say that his experiences, his upbringing, are a bit unconventional. Now, he became a Catholic not too long ago, and shortly after, he decided to take all the guitar tinkering that he'd been doing all his life and turn it into songs. And those songs are finally recorded. And the result is the album that we've been listening to, Wings. And to tell us more about it, um, I'm very happy to actually be sitting with Jonathan Hilsden right here in the Salt and Light Hour studio. Jonathan, welcome. Should I say welcome back to Salt and Light? Well, I guess yes. you, yeah. Did you even, yeah, in the bio, I'm not sure if you no, mentioned that. No. Uh, you, you, you did a little yeah. stint working with us here at Salt yeah, and Light. Yeah, well, a little stint. It was about three years. So really? I think it was a significant amount of time. So uh, That's good. And, and, and that yeah. was, uh, maybe that will be part of the story as you tell us, because that was, I think, part of your, your conversion sort of mm-hmm. story. But let's go even further back. Because you're growing up, your pa- your your dad is a pastor, an evangelical right. pastor, yeah, yeah, Christian in Jerusalem. What was <laughs> what was growing up like? Well, uh, growing up was amazing. I'm glad to say. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, my my dad uh, or my family moved to Israel back in the early '80s, and I was born there. Yeah. And uh, and so I grew up in Jerusalem. My dad is uh, has been the pastor for you know over 30 years of a very vibrant evangelical yeah. community. Sorry, just to stop you. So your parents moved. 
to do ministry. So it's like yes, exactly. And yeah. was that an, a personal initiative, or as part of a, a greater church evangelical movement that, uh, to well, bring pastors to Jerusalem? It's, it's a particular denomination called the Pentecostal Assemblies. Sorry, the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. Okay, and in uh, its and that's that's his mission is to right, uh, is to great. be there and serve serve the evangelical community and guide people to uh, Christ. That's so. great. So you're growing up Christian in Israel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm quite the minority, right? <laughs> well, I mean, I guess I'm a kind of a, in one sense an ultra minority. Uh, yeah. You know, growing up as a an evangelical Christian in Israel, and then now at the point where I transition into becoming a Catholic, yeah. Uh, yeah. a Catholic Christian. Yeah. I, that's that's considered quite unusual. I don't know anybody else like me from Israel who who went through no, a similar process. No, I know. Uh, process, you're, you're, so. There's going to be a movie made about you because you're, you're the only one. No, but wait. So <laughs> we, we think, because we know there are Christians in the Middle East, but oftentimes we don't think that they are, you know, they're Maronites and Malkites. Right, true. But they're not evangelical Pentecostal Christians. So tell me a little bit about that sort of demographic. I mean, obviously it's a minority. Right. Yeah. Like how well, many people go to your dad's church? Oh, I'd say on a given given Sunday, maybe between four to 500. Oh, that's a lot of people. A good, yeah, a good-sized community. Well, um, in Israel, there's, a, there's a, a movement, what they call the Messianic movement. Yes. Which is people who still identify with their Jewish background. Okay. And, and uh, they come to faith in, in Jesus. Yeah. And... Uh, Okay, and for them, it's not it's not a conflict at all. Just like the early apostles, right? Uh, were in fact Jews, course, Jews and would not have stopped calling themselves. But they've Jews. accepted Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Uh, absolutely. So, would you say that the majority of the people in your dad's congregation, or you growing up, are are those those Messianic Jews? It's a mix. It's okay. a mix of uh, a lot of expats. So a lot of yeah, people who okay. who are from overseas. It could be that they're diplomats, or they could be involved in some other ministry. Right. Uh, and then a lot of them are, of course, uh, local yeah. and. Arabs and Jews, yeah, very uh, cool. Both uh, nice. in, in, the, in that nice. evangelical environment. So obviously, growing up, there's faith in the household. Obviously, yeah. Was it a musical household? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, both my parents have been involved in music for yeah, f- you know, forty years or something. My mom actually was involved at CTS uh, Crossroads, Crossroads Television, Television here, yeah, in, yeah, yeah, just with, here in Canada, exactly yeah. 100 Huntley Street. She was the music director. Oh, really? Back in the, uh, I guess oh it would my be the gosh. early '80s. I didn't so, know that. Yeah, she's an excellent uh, piano player nice. and, and singer. And, and so, did you uh, have to go to music lessons? Did she make you take piano lessons? I I actually did try <laughs> piano with lessons. The Jewish uh, Israeli <laughs> professor, no, well, <laughs> piano uh, teacher, Russian actually. But <laughs> I, uh, I I did. You know, it was my own choice. Nobody made me do it. But I I started learning piano. Uh, yeah. When I was I don't know six years old, and I was not interested at no. all. I don't know why I even said yes to it. But I. Uh, so the conclusion was is that I didn't have a musical bone in my body. Right. You were like, well, I guess, you know, the genetics, you know, it's, it skips a generation or, you know, with me at least. Uh, and then you picked up a guitar at some point. Yeah. So it turns out <laughs> if you like something, yes. it's easier to thrive and get better at it. Cause, of course. Yeah. So I, I, when I was about 12 years old, I started playing bass actually. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. That was, that was the first thing. And then. And then when I picked up a guitar, it was kind of, uh, I guess you could say addictive uh, yeah. to be crass about it. But yeah. uh, That's true. Yeah. That's funny, actually. I started playing bass first, and then from bass I went to guitar. That's right, right. Funny story. So then at what point did you start kind of going through this transition, discovering Catholicism? I guess you were already a, a young adult when this is happening. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, I should say that as a, you know, being raised Christian, and then even through my 20s, uh, you know, being Christian, I uh, I had a profound relationship uh, with Christ. I yes. just I just loved God, and my parents raised me to love God and to love the Scriptures. Yeah, and so I didn't see so much uh, becoming Catholic as 
a conversion in the sense of leaving one religion to another because mm-hmm. uh, that's not that's right. not what it is. Okay, no, it's uh, I believe that you know I began to believe that Christ established a church and that I wanted to be a part of it, mm-hmm. you know, a visible church. But that didn't mean that my life as a Christian or my family's lives as Christians are right. are invalid or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. There's there's tremendous faith and and I just and I just feel so fulfilled as a Catholic Christian right. to experience what I believe is the fullness of truth. Uh-huh. And um, and so that process, I mean, I had a friend who who uh, who was Catholic, uh, but for a while he was evangelical. Mm-hmm. So he left the church, uh, the yes. Catholic church in high school. He was evangelical, and he came back to the Catholic church and wanted to have people over at his house to teach them about the church. Right. You know, so uh, Jews, Muslims, Christians. Okay. He just wanted to explain to them what the Catholic church actually teaches. Uh-huh. So I went to his house, and I started learning all about it. You know, the first thing uh, I remember him speaking about was— um, the, de- the development of the canon of Scripture. Yes. And I found it uh, quite a logical fallacy mm-hmm. that I believed all the Scriptures, uh, you know, were divinely inspired, I, I, but I didn't really realize where the canon came from, and I was rejecting right. the authority that actually canonized yeah, it. Yeah, of which course. Was, which was so yeah, clearly historically the Catholic yeah. Church. Yeah. So why would I expect accept the canon of Scripture and reject all their other doctrines yeah. that are different from yeah, exactly. uh, from That's the protestant doctrines the, the, that argument about what came yeah. first the bible or the church right. um um how much of that experience do you think is reflected in your actual music i mean again it's uh, you're one of these catholic i mean i don't know if i can call you a catholic artist you're an artist i'm an artist Song, songwriter that just happens yeah. to be catholic because because i don't i mean there are some songs i mean we just heard the vision that they clearly there's it's it feels like a prayer mm-hmm. but these are not songs that are you know, love songs to Jesus. So, so, but they're about your life, obviously. Absolutely, so how yeah. much of that conversion experience do you think is, 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 uh, represented in this, these songs or this album? Well, you know, <laughs> or even the title wings. Yeah. Well, the wings, I mean, that song is a, is a, is a song of Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. So the way I can connect to, you know, where the Lord has brought me in my life, uh, I'm just thankful. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the lyrics in the song is just talking about how thankful I am. Yeah. And that God has provided for me. And one of those ways that He's provided for me is the grace to to be received into the Catholic Church, right? Because it's the it's such a great joy in my life to experience the fullness of Christ in the Eucharist. Uh-huh. And so that's just a song of thanksgiving. Yeah. yeah. And is that why you decided to call the whole album Wings? I mean, that experience of mm-hmm. of having wings in a way. I guess you could say. Well, I guess you no. Know, <laughs> I guess you could say it's more. It's it's the theme is is I guess Thanksgiving. Yeah. And uh, Wings, you know. W- the chorus in that song, you know, you cover me with your wings. Yeah. It's more of a, that's, that's more talking about how the Lord takes care of me. Yes. That, that he shelters me. Uh, so I'm just thankful that through all the difficulties, uh, uh through my life, which we all have difficulties, of course, but, yeah. um, that he is taking care of me. Yeah. And, uh, so I just dedicated, I guess the whole album to yeah. being thankful for his nice. care now you also this is your first album these are all your first songs i guess maybe mm-hmm. some some of your first songs didn't make the cut and you that is pro- true <laughs> you, produced, you produced it with your brother so what 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 about the experience of working with your brother is also part of wings and thanksgiving and 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 kind of the whole theme of the album yeah so my brother uh jamie uh james hillsden yeah he uh he's an excellent musician yeah and he 
He's he's also come out with his own solo album a few years ago under the name James Wesley Hillsden. Okay. Uh, he had a, a punk band, Man Alive, right. uh, and I think they still play. And uh, yes. it's really good, just melodic music. Even though it's punk, it has a lot of... Uh-huh. It's actually very easy listening for some people, yeah. uh, more people than you'd imagine. And and a lot of also worship projects, praise yeah. and worship. He's, he's currently... Uh, he and his band have just come out with an album in Hebrew uh-huh. uh, that's all scripture in Hebrew, and it's and it's and it's meant for a nice. congregational worship context. That's great, and uh, it's awesome. It's called Mikedem. If anybody wants to check so that like out, so like Christian praise and worship in Hebrew, absolutely. Yep. We need to have your brother on this program. I'd love it's, to hear that album. That's yeah, great. it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Uh, he's produced a lot of albums, and. Uh, Obviously, uh, I didn't end up paying the standard rate or any rate to him for that matter. Yes, I paid for the studio time. So, yeah. what a huge blessing! But it's not just that it was—it's uh, not just that he, you know, hooked me up with uh, with that free production. It's that he really is a guy that understands understands what I'm going for and yeah. did a great job of bringing out yeah. the best of me. Now, that's very simple musically. There's guitar, but I can hear bass. Some songs have piano. Mm-hmm. Is he also playing, or are you playing a lot of the other instruments? Well, I, I actually just play guitar. There's yeah. some electric on there, too, so yes. I play acoustic guitar, all of it, and a little bit of electric guitar. My brother Jamie actually played bass, yeah. and uh, the the engineer, Pavel Zaretsky, Right. And his wife uh, did some work, too. Oh, so he nice. played piano, did some percussion, good. and his wife did a lot of the background vocals and good. did a great job. Okay, good. So it's Wings by Jonathan Wayne Hilson. Um, thank you. It's so good to finally, I know you started working on this <laughs> a long time ago. Yeah. Um, so it's nice to, to hear hear it come come together, and it's so good to see you and blessings in what you're doing. I hope that you, there's more music coming down the pipes. I know that you're working on a lot of other projects, but um, thank you for sharing a little bit of what you're doing with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. To learn more about Jonathan Wayne Hillsden or to purchase wings, you can go to his website, hillsdenmusic.com. Here now is Jonathan Hillsden with Back in Time from his new album, Wings. I go back in time Just to find myself Oh, I shake me up as I would for anyone else What's the use in crime when the best is yet to come Dry your eyes to see that I'm who I've always been And you see We're listening to Jonathan Hilston with Back in Time from his album Wings. That's all for today. Thanks for being with us. Yes, and thanks to those of you who write or come to see me on Facebook. You can also find me on Twitter at Deacon Pedro GM. That's always the best way to uh, comment on this program. I also remember that if you missed any part of this program, you can listen to it. Or you can listen to any Salt and Light Hour program, not just this one. Yes, exactly. At our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And all the shows we've ever done are there for free, and you can listen to them over and over and over again. Yeah, because they're so good. (laughs) And uh, they're all there. Literally every single show we've ever done is there uh, for the last eight years. Um, and they're there free thanks to you and your financial support of Salt and Light. Especially we want to thank our monthly donors through the Guardians program because uh, their contribution guarantees us with a predictable income that uh, uh, is so important when we plan for the future. If you are in the United States, you can now donate to us in Canada. It's easy. Find out how at our website, saltandlighttv.org. 
or write to us to yeah, ask. There we go again. We're telling people to come to our website, saltandlighttv.org. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so thank you for your support. Anyway, that's all for today. I'm Emily Callen. And I'm Deacon Pedro. And this has been the Salt and Light Hour. And I'd find myself What pulled me in To say it's over It's over And you see That I don't navigate at all And you see